1: Jesus. Jesus. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath.
0: Welcome and another edition of Curd and Long. A little uh, post-podcast action here on a Monday night. Ryan Horvath obviously has his show uh, during the week. Bet MGM tonight. He's at a casino, so there was no way of him doing this. Uh, so I call in my guy, Paul Brettel, Uh, And I, 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 I'm sorry, Paul. I, 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 Packers wire, follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore bro. I feel horrible for dragging him on this uh, after that crappy <laughs> game. Follow me at uh, Sparky radio Packers lose 24, uh, 22. And on the screen here, if, uh, you're watching on, uh, the, uh, Odyssey sports, YouTube page, it says love leads Packers back, but defense can't hold, uh, in, in all reality, a lot of suck tonight too. I mean, look, it, I, I know we all want to fire Joe Barry and all of that fun stuff. And Versace is catching a lot of flack on, on social media as well and, and saying, you know, he's overpaid and his special team stink too. Everybody's under fire tonight. I, I just want to go back to two things in which you probably are not aware. Paul Brunel. Number one, the first thing is I've been saying all week when people have been talking about running the table and running this thing out, I've told everybody I've heard along. I've told my friends. I've told my father, who is a diehard Packer fan, over-emotional person that they're going to lay an egg in one of these last few games. Like, it's going to happen. They're a young team. For whatever the reason, they're going to lose to a team they should beat. I didn't think it was going to be Monday night football because I thought the young guys would get up because it's Monday night football and be a big deal for them. But do you remember, they sucked the last time they were on Monday night football uh, as well against who was it? wasn't it the Raiders Monday night, I think. Um, yep. And they were horrible in that game too. So maybe Monday night and the Packers really don't jive hand in hand uh, at this point. That's the first thing. And the second thing is Ryan Horvath uh, yelled at me at the end of the show when we made our predictions, because for the last three weeks, I said, I'm not picking them the rest of the year to win a game. I'm just not. I refuse. Uh, And I've picked against them every week. And this week I picked the Giants at the end and he lost his mind. You jinxed them, you idiot. You got to revert. You can't you can't make that prediction. No, I'm making that prediction. I'm I'm just gonna go with it. They're gonna beat the Giants, of course. Then they lose. one. So Horvath gets back on Wednesday, I'm sure I'm gonna hear grief about this one. Uh, but either way, uh, I, I think for me, um, I'm I'm kind of mad and kind of not. I I, I guess I, I couldn't believe how off Jordan Love looked. I, I to me that was that was the strangest thing. Like first I'm thinking maybe it's the wind. Then I'm thinking. Maybe it's the cold. Maybe he's having issues with his hands. I don't know. But, I mean, he was just off a majority of the night, Paul.
1: Yeah, he absolutely was. And, you know, in that early going, those first two drives, there were those three in a row inaccurate passes. And I tweeted this out, and I thought that it could have been, you know, the Monday night atmosphere. Because we've seen throughout the course of the season, even going back to the preseason, like, there was this little period for Jordan Love to get going within games before settling in, finding his rhythm. You figure, okay, it's Monday night football, but that never ended up coming. He was, as you mentioned, off the entire night, Matt Lafleur said afterwards, just the passing game in general was. And this was a breakdown of, of all three phases within this Packers team. There were really two things that I earmarked in terms of, all right, if the Giants are going to you know, pull off the upset in this game, it's going to be because the Green Bay Packers aren't able to generate pressure, uh, which they didn't do that well. They weren't able to convert those opportunities into sacks. Believe it or not, I know not watching this game, but Tommy DeVito had the highest pressure to sack rate in football coming into this game. Yep. Uh, the Giants as a whole have given up 69 sacks this season. That's 12 more than the second most in the NFL. And the Packers, they just weren't able to to bring him down. The the edge rushers, the defenders, whoever were getting, in, getting towards him, got too far upfield, created those running lanes, and also it it looked like on those read option keepers that DeVito had that the Packers had not planned for that, didn't know that that was a part of this Giants offense because they did not have a game plan for that whatsoever. Special teams unit, two more penalties, missed field goal, uh, the Keyshawn-Nixon fumble. like It was just a breakdown across all three phases of this game, and somehow, because they're going up against a not-so-good Giants team, they still had the opportunity to pull out the win At the end, despite all of that, but it was there was just too many of their own self-inflicted wounds for them to overcome. And it gave us a flashback to about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago of this Packers team that we had seen at that time. I don't know
0: who brought it up. I couldn't tell in the press conference if it was Domovsky or who was, but somebody brought up to love as far as, you know, earlier in the year when you were losing close games it was the offense that couldn't get the team over the hump. And that was different Monday night football because Jordan love was able to get them over the hump. The first touchdown pass to Malik Keith that they ruled incomplete. And then the second touchdown pass to Malik Keith, it was an unbelievable play. Like he wasn't even in the end zone and he just reached over as, as he caught that ball to give him the touchdown, but they were able to complete that. And if you go back to Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter, that was the theme. Well, they only won six games because he kept giving them the lead and the defense kept giving it up and they would have won more games had their defense been any good at the end of football games. And I had no faith that they were going to hold them from not getting a field. I had zero faith that that was going to happen unless Saquon Barkley fumbled the ball all by himself again. I didn't see that happening. Uh, but how much of a of a confidence builder do you think that really is? Even though they didn't win the game, to be able to rally back like that and take the lead with a minute, what was it, 33 left, I think, to go in the game. As far as for the young wide receivers, for Jordan Love, and probably even more so for Malik Heath, uh getting that second chance at a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge because, like you mentioned, there had been several instances early in middle portion of the season where they weren't able to come up with those scores. And this is a second time in four games uh, Jordan Love did and the offense did this against the Chargers as well. So I think that in itself shows the growth. And also just quick side note the the message that Love has had to these receivers all season long that he keeps reiterating in the locker room when we're around him is that regardless of what happens to play before keep your head up cuz I'm coming back to you. And I think that those back-to-back throws to Malik Keith were prime examples of that. It was first off those were two, despite how poorly the game had gone for Jordan Love those were two extremely impressive throws by him in a clutch moment of the game don't want to overlook that but malik keith you know it was a the defender came up from behind him to break up the first pass love goes back to him the very next play i just thought that that perfectly embodied you know everything that he's been talking about to these guys this season and the confidence that he's instilling in them so i thought that that was great in terms of just the overall growth for this offense and we can look at the defense obviously for their their breakdown on that final drive the big uh, rushing plays to Tommy DeVito that they gave up in this game, but they're also part of the reason why the Packers even had this opportunity to come back to begin with. The, the heads-up play by Carrington Valentine in the defense to pick up that fumble and will we'll give the referees a little credit for not blowing the play dead to at least give them the opportunity to run the ball back. Uh, the Jordan love had the interception, the fumble, you know, that the defense didn't allow any points off of those turnovers in the first half. The giants started with the ball at the Packers 32 and didn't end up with any points. So I'm not sitting here saying all this to absolve the defense of their performance. They gave up another 200 yard rushing performance to an opponent. That's the fourth one this season. There are plenty of issues that need to be addressed on this unit, but my point being, it all goes back into that. Everything about this 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 game for the Green Bay Packers in each phase went horribly wrong. And there were some, some aspects of it in each of the phases as well that went right and that gave the Packers the opportunity to be in the
0: position that they were in to try to win the game at the end. Carlton misses that uh, first field goal. Uh, the second field goal that he hit got put in that situation because of a huge sack uh, against Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but smile. When they show the replay and you watch Walker and Runyon get manhandled and both guys get run over as they come free to get Jordan Love. And both of those two guys have been A and B on my crap list all year long of guys I've had my fill of. Like, I just have. And I know we've rotated guys at right guard. We've rotated guys at left tackle. And now here in the last couple of weeks, we've decided... Now we're good. We're just going to leave these guys in there. So now we're playing them a little bit more. And then I have to hear Lafleur after the game. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, we get we got we got beat a couple of times, but for the most part, I think our offensive line looked good. I'm telling you right now, Paul, if this team doesn't draft a tackle in the first round of this draft, I am <laughs> going to lose my ever loving mind on somebody. I hope Gudikun sees things differently than how Lafleur sees things with this offensive line, because these two guys, I'm telling you are killing me right now watching this week in and week out. And you could say, well, Rasheed Walker is better than he was at the beginning there. Well, I'd hope so because he played as effectively at left left tackle as you would have played a left tackle earlier in the year. And I I I haven't even seen you play football before. It's horrible. So yeah. So maybe now we're at to the point of being maybe average, maybe. But again, in, in those big moments, my God, man, it just drives me nuts.
1: Yeah, and if if you know, for the for the betting man out there, my money is on offensive tackle in the first round right now too, just given the, the need that they have and then it's supposed to be a loaded draft class at that position yeah. for the Packers as well, so good news there. But like you said, Matt LaFleur said that they seem to hold up okay for the most part. You know, the Giants threw uh, a ton of blitzes at them, which isn't new. The Chiefs did that. The Chargers did that a few weeks
0: ago. That's what just Wink does. Gym. That's what he does. Everywhere he's been, Michigan, mm-hmm. here, wherever he's been a coordinator, that's what this dude does regardless of what he's given for personnel he's still blitzing if he had the packer personnel and he was coaching the packers he'd do the same damn thing he would Mm -hmm.
1: and one of the interesting aspects of this game for me was the the chess match between the floor and martindale because the packers put on tape last week how they're going to handle blitzes with that kansas city defense and the the giants are coming off their bye week they've had two weeks to prepare for green bay you knew that they were going to throw different looks at the Green Bay Packers in terms of how they were going to respond to them. I think one thing that Matt LaFleur could have done differently is lean on the run game, specifically between the tackles more often earlier on in the game. I felt that there were instances where they either got away from that despite the passing game not working or especially in that second half when the Giants very much were sniffing out those behind the line of scrimmage plays for Jaden Reed. The floor kept going to those, but between the tackles, AJ Dillon, Patrick Taylor both combined, averaged almost four and a half yards per rush on the season. This was a Giants defense, allowing almost five yards per carry this year. Like that's where the opportunity was. And when your passing game isn't working, I thought specifically between the tackles, there was more opportunity for the Green Bay Packers to lean on that early on, which, as we saw, when they did find some success kept them ahead of the sticks because when things went south in this game, it was, uh, you know, an incomplete pass on first down or maybe a Jaden Reed run ends in a five-yard loss or a penalty. And they were in those second and third and long situations. And that through the early and middle portion of the season was what spelled doom for this offense. Through that part of the season, if it was second and 10, you could basically, you basically knew a punt was coming. But part of their surge over the last five games is they've been really good on first down or, Much improved, I should say, on first down. You're in second and six, second and five. That opens up the entire playbook for you. You can run the ball, you can pass the ball. Keeps the defense off balance and guessing. But tonight, the Green Bay Packers got into way too many scenarios where they were in second and third and longs, uh, allowed that pass rush, pass rush, those blitzes that Wink Martindale dials up to tee off on this offensive line, and in general, you know, part of the reason why the offensive line didn't look as good, at least on the initial viewing is because Love also just, in general, was uncomfortable, and that showed when the pressure was around him. Like, it's not as if against Kansas City, the offensive line wasn't allowing pressure. Correct. Love just hung in there, was confident, uh, was comfortable within that chaos around him in that game. But from the start of the game, that that element wasn't there for him. So I think the pressure that did get to him, or as the pocket did start to collapse, it was magnified because that, that feeling, that confidence, whatever word we want to use, wasn't there to begin with.
0: Tom Paul Bredel again, Packers Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bredel. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Take a quick time out. Come back on the other side. And I want to talk about uh, a play call or a variety of play calls that I want Matt LaFleur to get out of his playbook, burn. Like, we'll have a party. I don't care. We'll have a party. We'll burn a certain set of play calls that he's running that is driving me and every other Packer fan nuts. That's next here on Curtin Law. Back on Curtin Long. Don't forget, you can download this on your Odyssey app or you download your favorite podcast at C Sparky Fiber with you, 1250 AM, thefan.com. He is Paul Bretel, Packer Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bretel. Of course, you can catch him on uh, ESPN and lacrosse as well with my guy, John Papadopoulos. Uh, Paul, when are you on with uh, Papadopoulos during the week?
1: Uh, every, every Monday and Wednesday for the most part, this week we'll
0: switch it up for a Monday and Tuesday show. Sure, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. He always has me on. We we talk Packers Bucks, but that's my brewer guy, man. I love talking Bruce the Papadopoulos. I just I, that is my guy. Uh, okay, so on the part of the playbook that I would like to take away from Matt LaFleur and burn and make sure he never, ever, ever gets his hands on it and again. If he runs one more damn trick play in a football game, I'm seriously going to lose my mind. They must be one for about. Mm, 15, one for 20 on trick play opportunities. And I know, well, he did hit one or, well, it would have worked had Jordan not fell down. Well, it would have worked if this wouldn't have happened. Well, it would. I don't care about the, well, it would have worked stuff like the double reverses. We're trying to run a flea flicker. It gets all hodgepodge and we're still damn sure going to try to run that same play again. It drives me nuts. Like we don't need to be that cute when these young players get older and you want to try this stuff when they're more sure of what they're doing and the offensive line is playing better fine. But this year enough, like I've seen enough, Paul.
1: Yeah, there's this is twofold for me. There's the always the time and the place for it. And we've seen in recent weeks, those, you know, behind the scrimmage touches for Jane Reed. And even early on in this game, they found some success
0: on that. I don't listen. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I don't mind a jet sweep. I, I don't mind a single reverse. I mind double reverses, flea flickers, you know, go this way, throw it back across the line of scrimmage, like that type of crap. That's what I'm talking about. Single handoff reverses and jet sweeps. I don't consider that trick plays. I'm talking about all this other hocus pocus crap that Lafleur wants to try during a game. That's what I'm specifically talking about, just to clarify.
1: Yeah. It, so... I, it's a double-edged sword in those situations. I feel like because the offense isn't getting anything going, so you think, all right, we're going to bust out this shiny play to try to uh-huh. create catch the defense off balance, create this opportunity, but the offense can't get going because the players can't execute. So now you're asking them to, you know, go beyond. What their normal responsibilities are that they're already struggling with, putting different elements on their plate that I'm guessing isn't a huge part of the practice plan each week, and now ex- asking them to execute on those added responsibilities. So I can see, you can see kind of the thought process behind it in terms of trying to catch them off balance, all that stuff. But again, from an execution standpoint, when you can't do the little things right, asking them to, you know, all 11 players to then go do these additional tasks is just, as we saw, not going to end well when things in general just aren't going well for the team.
0: What about penalties for this Packers team? I, I saw a lot of people on on, on uh, Twitter talking about, well, you know, this has been issued all year. They haven't been able to figure it out. I don't know. I feel like the penalties have gotten better in the last three or four weeks. I feel like they're not nearly as bad as they were during that stretch where they were losing games, could get out of their own way. Uh, and tonight, they reared their ugly head in every phase of the game with just a bunch of boneheaded penalties tonight.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously during the last five weeks when they've been playing better football, there's been, there's been fewer penalties, not a, not a coincidence in that regard, but yeah, massive issues tonight in that, in the penalty phase, especially on special teams, Packers lead the NFL in special teams penalties. And, you know, that unit's been flying under the radar a little bit this season in terms of their, their play, uh, The offense of struggles, the defensive struggles, the attention Joe Barry gets, I think, is masked what's going on on special teams a little bit. But there's the missed field goals, which to a degree you knew were going to be a part of the equation when relying on a rookie kicker. But like I mentioned, they're leading the NFL in penalties. Uh, There's been, you know, missed tackles, just some, there's been some major miscues throughout the course of the season that have had major implications on the game. And while this team as a whole, is relatively young, especially on offense. There's a lot of returning players on that special teams unit from last season. I believe it's seven of the top 10 players in terms of special team snaps from 2022 are still on this Packers team. So year two of Rich Bisaccia, um, still having experience from last season being carried over. Like you would expect this team to be a lot better in that phase of the game. And when we look at more so early on than now, but we saw it the reflection of it tonight. When we look at what this team was going to rely on this season, what they could lean on or thought they could lean on, it was the offensive line coming into the year. You thought young quarterback, young receivers, but we got an offensive line to lean on. We got special teams that maybe not going to be a top 10 unit, but it's not going to hurt us either. It's at least going to be neutral. And there's other aspects of it as well, just throughout the, you know, what this team was supposed to be. And when things have gone wrong, those, those guardrails, things that were supposed to keep this young offense, young team on track, they've just done the opposite of that. And it's just been too much to overcome.
0: There are a couple instances in this game where you just shake your head and go, come on, man, like use your brain. Uh, And, Uh, one of the first ones I can think of, I'll use your brain, Patrick Taylor. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, we just went over this with you the previous week. Like enough is enough. Like go out of bounds, man. The clock is running and you saw LaFleur. Like LaFleur ripped off his headset. It was like, get out of bounds, screaming at him. And you, you could see Taylor just demoralized, you know, on the sidelines for not being smart enough to get out of bounds. But that type of stuff, like, and again, I'm not going to say, oh, this is on Jordan Love. But if I know damn right well that there's a chance he might get the ball, when I'm leaving the huddle or he's standing next to me, I'm reminding him, dude, get out of bounds. Like I'm reminding him again before I snap the ball, get out of bounds. And I think if if you have a veteran quarterback like Rodgers or Brad or somebody else, and you know this is a thing with this kid, that, okay, I'm going to say it one more time before I snap this ball and remind you to get the hell out of bounds, that happens. With Jordan Love, he's got to worry about protection. He's worrying about everything else. He doesn't have time to remind this dude how to do his job. Uh, So this is an instance where maybe, you know, that first-year starter being there maybe hurts you a little bit. And then also, Patrick Taylor's not a rookie. I mean, he's been here for a while. You've got to know that. You've got to know better than that.
1: Yeah, like that's a perfect example of that just on Patrick Taylor. That's inexcusable. And there were just a lot of – things like that uh the the Anders Carlson kickoff at the end of at the end of half after they got the points like that should have gone out of bounds the giants saved them the fourth and two or three that Dontavian Wicks ended up picking up like again as a rookie I know he's a rookie but they've said this in the locker room like we're in week 10 11 12 13 you're not rookies anymore like you have to know to run that route beyond the the first down marker so it's not in question like that was a pivotal moment right there like it went from the Giants taking over at midfield to all of a sudden the Packers put together a scoring drive like there was just uh, so many of these little miscues along the way that when they add up they become nearly insurmountable and again if it wasn't for the Packers going up against a Giants team that had quite a few self-inflicted wounds of their own the Saquon Barkley fumble tripping over the turf monster that was the crazy. punt the punt that just the Giants uh, special teams player didn't know where the ball was and it hit them. Like those were yep. gifts given to the green Bay Packers. And without them, like the, the, the ending that ended up happening doesn't even matter because without those, they're not even in the game at that point, it took the Giants handing the game back to the green Bay Packers to even have the opportunity to go win this game.
0: You know, the other one key Nixon, dude, like, come on, man, like the balls on the ground and the floor pointed out the press conference. Like, you automatically are in a panic frame of mind when you muff a punt. Like, you're like, holy crap, I got to get that ball. I got to get that ball. Now you're trying to pick up that ball and run with it still? After you were—he was on the ground with the ball on top of it, then decided, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to get up and try and run this damn thing. And then he got up and said, "Uh oh forgot the ball. And now they turn it over. That was a huge play. And again, he's not a rookie either. He's a veteran. He's been around football, man. You just don't do that, especially where they were wasn't like that was at, at midfield where he gave that ball up. Like, I, that type of stuff just drives me nuts. And I'm not going to put that on Basaccia. Again, like you said, Bob Patrick Taylor, that's definitely on Keyshawn Nixon. You just can't have that type of stuff when you've got a young team who isn't playing well on offense to begin with. You can't be giving away free possessions.
1: Yeah, and in general, Keyshawn Nixon had a rough night tonight defensively. I think – I think it was on that drive where Barkley ended up fumbling. He had a missed tackle that ended up in a big gain on the Giants game winning field goal drive. You know, that catch by Wandale Robinson, that was Keyshawn Nixon in coverage that he was able to get that separation on. And and I saw Nixon, you know, said afterwards that he, he had a really bad night. He acknowledged it. Uh and again, it just goes into everything that we've discussed here, just the 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 mistakes across the board, rookies, veterans all three phases of the game. I think if we want to try to take a, a positive spin on what happened
0: tonight. Nobody wants to do that, Paul. What are we talking about? Nobody wants to do <laughs> too, too early for that. Maybe are you kidding me, man. The game just ended. You and I are talking. You want to start turning to turn it into, into a damn positive. All right. T- uh, go ahead, Paul. What, what's the, po- no, don't hold on. Hold on. No, I'm not going to let you do this. Hold on. We're going to take a quick time out. I'm going to come back. I'm going to see if I'm ready to deal with this positive that he may have to try and put a smile on my face right before we turn in for the night here on a Monday night as we record Curtin long. You can download and listen to it on your Odyssey app wherever you download your favorite podcast app. Also, watch it on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. We live stream most of these uh, as well. Again, Paul Breidel from Packer Wire filling in for Ryan Horvath. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Breidel. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Check out the interviews I do at 1250amthefan.com. Back with his positive, or maybe he has more than one, hmm. We'll see. That's next. Back on Kurt and Long, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, along with Paul brittle Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Breitel, Packer Wire. Follow me at Sparky Radio, 1250 a.m. TheFan.com. Uh, Paul Packers lose 24 uh, 22. Jordan Lee Love uh, leads a comeback to give them the lead late. Uh, and they weren't able to obviously hold on uh, at the end of the day to give up the game winning field goal. To Randy Bullock who missed a field goal earlier for the Giants uh, and the Packers lose prior to the break. You said something about having a positive, the big smile on your face. I'm guessing the positive is we didn't spend our money to go to that game. Maybe that's the positive. Uh, what, what do you got? So I have
1: zero positives from what actually took place on the football oh, field. man, that was a great tease, though, by you. That was good. Okay. <laughs> but looking forward, perhaps how this could turn into a positive for the Green Bay Packers is as a young team, maybe this becomes one of those moments where you kind of recenter. You know, they've been on a really hot streak as of late, as we all know, playing really, really good football. And who knows with a young team? Maybe you think, all right, this is just who it how it goes. This is exactly. who we are right now. Perhaps this was a good grounding moment, a little I don't know, back to reality for lack of a better term, refocus and hit these last four games hard. Uh, not that they hadn't been before, obviously, but with a maybe with a different thought process behind it in terms of all right, regrouping, resetting. And then moving forward from there, so we'll see if that happens. Who knows if that's even a, a uh, you know a possibility or you know something that could take place? But I think that there could be that opportunity moving forward from this. Again, from the game, there are not really many positives to take away. But looking ahead, maybe something positive will come from it.
0: I, I think a positive is how well Jordan Love played when he had to play well. He figured out how to make some big throws in big situations. That's obviously a positive. I agree with you. If Jordan Love doesn't come back and play really well against Tampa Bay this weekend, I will be stunned because I, I really think he'll come back and play well. I don't know if Jones or Watson will be back, but I think he comes back plays really well against Tampa Bay. That was the game I thought they were going to stumble. I thought they'd beat the Giants on Monday night, and then the one game they would stumble the rest of the way out would be Tampa, get upset at home, and then figure things out and finish strong uh, on the way up. Now we'll see what happens. I want to talk about that last drive because uh, we haven't talked about it with the Giants saving it for last. I, I, I don't know as much as most people. Obviously, I'm not saying I do. I'm a Packer fan that gets a microphone. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. But, damn, man. You, you had to hold them to a field goal, and you look, and it was like he was playing the defense in the first quarter. They're playing five yards off the line of scrimmage, giving up everything that they wanted. I mean, it was pitch and catch. I mean, there was no contested catches pretty much that entire drive. That was absolutely remarkable to me that that's how they chose to play this thing. Kind of like they had a seven-point lead with 30 seconds left, and they were just going to let you throw, but they weren't going to give up anything deep. That was kind of what it looked like to me. Again, I'm not a defensive coordinator. I'm not a scout, but that's how it looked like to me. What did it look look like to you?
1: Yeah, it was you know way too many easy completions. As Matt LaFleur said, too many chunk plays given up. And the, the Joe Barry defense, regardless of whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Tommy DeVito, Kenny Pickett that you're going up against, it's the same style of defense that we see for the most part each week in and out versus recognizing, hey, we're going up against a third-string quarterback, a quarterback who's taken a ton of sacks this season, even though we haven't been able to get them in this game specifically. We're going up against a quarterback who performs really poorly statistically when under pressure. You know, you would like to see the mindset be, hey, let's go disrupt them. Let's take control. There's, There's too much with this defense where the offense does the dictating rather than the other way around. And you thought that that could have been one of those instances where The script flips a little bit. The Packers do the one to try to do the disrupting. And, hey, at the end of the day, if you take that aggressive approach and Tommy DeVito connects on a downfield pass, I guess you tip your hat at the end of the day. But, you know, at least it feels like in that way you're going down swinging. Now, with that said, this is on the players too. I know it's, you know, Joe Barry always gets the finger pointed at him, but it's on the players as well. It's not the right finger
0: you want pointed at you either.
1: In terms of the in terms of the execution, like we mentioned, the the uh, Wandale Robinson catch, like Keyshawn Nixon was completely thrown off of that route. Uh, some of the big runs by Saquon Barkley as well. There's some missed miss tackle opportunities. So it's it's one of those things where it's it's everyone. And you know, I know that's not always the answer that we want. But going back to your point, I definitely think that if there was an instance against this Giants team that struggles to put up points, that it struggles to function when under pressure, you'd think that would be the instance where you see uh,
0: maybe not over-aggressive, but a, a less passive version of this defense. What What about the defense as far as we've talked about all night not getting pressure? Did we expect more from Rashawn Gary? Should we have expected more from Rashawn Gary? Should we have expected more from Kenny Clark to be able to bust through and do something? I mean, Slayton busted, busted through and was like there at the handoff and still missed the dude. He was there so early, so he had a moment or two, I guess, in the game. But for the most part, there was nobody really coming free throughout, and I don't remember them blitzing a corner. I don't remember them really bringing a safety and a delayed blitz or anything like that. Uh, It just feels like they were kind of relying on four or five guys all night to try and get home, and they, like you said earlier, would get pressure, but they wouldn't contain, and then the dude would take off up the field every time he had the opportunity, that being DeVito.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the most disappointing aspects of this game. Like we mentioned earlier, statistically, this is one of the worst offensive lines in pass protection in football. Like even if they are just rushing four or five, like Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, or Sean Gary, you would think that those guys would have a higher opportunity of success of getting home and disrupting DeVito compared to what they actually did. Now, what I will say up until that, final drive where Barkley had the fumble they did do a good job of containing him I think for most of the game he was averaging two two and a half yards per rush like that part they did do well in whether he was trying to go outside up the middle they did a good job and run defense in that way like I said earlier the DeVito read options they had no no answers for whatsoever but they did do a good job of limiting Barkley which coming into the game if you would have told me that I thought that there would have been a pretty good chance of success for this team. Cause I would have, I was operating under the assumption that if you can stop the run, you put Tommy DeVito in second and eight, third and 12, you let this Packers defensive front get after that offensive line. I thought that it was going to be a huge opportunity for sacks, but that pass rush group just didn't come through with those opportunities.
0: I will say this, another positive. I just came up with here. Cause you inspired me. <laughs> If Musgrave doesn't get hurt, we don't see Tucker Craft do what Tucker Craft's been doing here the last couple of another weeks. Another good one. I mean, another Tucker Craft again coming up. And I, I laughed because Tucker Craft a couple of weeks ago said, Hey, man, I can do this. Like, ain't nobody, everybody thinks I can just run block. I can do this. Just give me the ball. I'll show you what I can do. And I laughed. I was like, All right, dude, you got some confidence. Let's some swag. Let's see what you got. And he showed again, man. Big plays coming up in big moments. And and I think it was Aikman. And by the way, I am so glad they're off of Fox. I can't stand those two. Um, but I was hoping for a and of Of course, he, he gets the Dolphins game. So I'm stuck with these two knuckleheads. Uh, but he made a good point. Said, Man, when Musgrave comes back, you put him with this dude, with mm-hmm. all these young wide receivers. This offense is going to be something in another year or two. I totally 1000% agree, providing they can find out, figure out who the running back is going to be. I'm assuming that person's coming in the draft. Uh, And then get a tackle and maybe another offensive lineman. This offense could set up to be really, really dangerous going forward here in the next year or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Tucker Craft, you can just see his his confidence blooming right in front of us. And obviously, we all saw the big passing or catch and run. But on two of those, uh, Jaden Reed runs, you know, he threw key blocks to help spring Reed on those His confidence as a pass catcher, as a, as a blocker is just growing immensely. And I spoke to him about two weeks ago now in the locker room and just asked him, all right, between training camp and today, where we're at, like, what's been the biggest growth aspect for you? And he just chalked it up to confidence. It's just the reps that he's getting over and over and over again. And a better understanding of what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be. And this is collectively for all these young guys, understanding where everyone else around them is supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing. There's the the playbook on paper, and then there's the playbook when how the defense defends you. How do you react to that? How do you still run your route cleanly? How do you still create separation when the defense gives you a new look when the defense is more physical with you and this tight end group these receivers as a as a as a unit they're they've become much more you know uh much more adept at making plays on that second part when the defense is throwing those different things at you as part of their development and looking at where this offense can go like one of the big things that they have going for them right now. Is really on any given play, Jordan Love can throw the ball to anyone. Like there isn't, they don't have that go to guy in key moments at this time. But what they do have is four or five guys who on any given play could get the ball and have the opportunity to uh, make a big play out of it. And for a defense, that's really, really stressful when you can't key in on one guy or even two guys forces you to defend the whole field, creates better spacing, and then there's just more opportunities for everyone out there. And on top of that, you couple that ability with just the versatility that this that this uh, running back, receiver, tight end room has, and it just feels like there's endless possibilities for this offense in terms of what Matt LaFleur asked them to do, how they go about executing it, uh, Guys interchanging roles, moving around the formation, and so those two aspects, those two elements, should have Packer fans really, really excited. Now, of course, as we saw tonight, still growing pains,
0: still learning curves to navigate through with a young unit. I think he wants it to be Christian Watson. I think Jordan Love wants Christian Watson to be his go-to mm-hmm. guy. And this, this offense, to me, is much better when Watson is going correct versus if he's dropping balls or not playing. Uh, they just they approach everything differently. Uh, so I think he is a huge factor in all of this, but I'll I'll say this too. Matt LaFleur is going to get an off season where now he knows Wick's strength. He mm-hmm. knows Malik Keith's strength. If he's back, you know, he knows uh, Dobbs a little bit better at this point. He knows how fun and Reed can be. He knows Musgrave and Kraft a lot better and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Now you can really dive in and go, okay, now I know what I've got talent-wise. Strengths and weaknesses. Not Because coming in, He had a lot of question marks. He had a bunch of rookies. He didn't know how they were going to act in different situations. He didn't know a lot of stuff. And it was just kind of a guessing game early, designing plays, putting them in positions. Now he can design packages for certain guys and really let them get into the groove in in certain situations, I think, Paul.
1: Yeah, I think that was an underrated uh, aspect to the struggles that this offense had early on middle, middle portion of the season thinking I'm, I think it was like week five, week six, somewhere in that range. You know, Matt Lafleur was still talking about, you know, going through practices and figuring out, all right, who does this really well? Who does that really well? Like that beyond training camp, that was, you know, decently well into the regular season and still trying to figure out what those elements are. And then there's also, too, you know, the Chiefs game, I think, was a prime example of just – The variety of formations, the personnel groupings, the motion, the misdirection. Like you have to build up to that. You know, the guys have to be comfortable with their primary responsibilities. And when executing on that, you can go, All right, here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more and giving them more and more to do. So there's definitely been a development and a growth period in that regard, not just for the players, but as you mentioned, Matt LaFleur and figuring out what they can do. And then once they are able to execute on that consistently, then you start giving them more and then you can truly start beginning to do that deeper dive into the playbook
0: uh, it's gonna be a fun fun team folks i'm telling you i know they lost and i know everybody's disappointed and all that but this is gonna happen with the young team you just don't know what you're going to get game to game and they were feeling themselves whatever the case may be they were just off it is what it is i fully expect i think paul agrees that they're going to come back and look much more like themselves probably against tampa bay here uh, next week. Paul Bridle, Packers Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bridle. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. Uh, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Sparky.